Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to read your word, to share your word, and to exhort one another. Please help us to know what's right. Help us right now as we read your word, as we share your word, to put away the things of the world, to block out the things of the world, and to focus on the spiritual food. Holy Spirit, please feed us, lead us, and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and he set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now stop and think about that. For those of us who think we're going to get into heaven. Unless you become like this little child, you will not, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not that you'll have a difficult time or you're going to have a hard way. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become like this little child. And what is the characteristics of the little child that Jesus is pointing out? Well, in verse 4, he says, he gives us a clue there. He says, whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When the, the word that he's saying is lowly, unassuming. And what Jesus is saying is, unless you put off all of your heirs, all of your heirs, put off all your arrogance, put off all your pride and all your all your thoughts of what you deserve and who is you and what you what should be yours and Unless you can get over those things and be humble and meek and lowly like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and then he goes on, Jesus goes on to say, Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. Whoso receives one such child, what child? A lowly, meek, unassuming child. A child who doesn't have any, any thought of what they deserve in life. A child that doesn't have any thought that they should inherit this, or that this is their birthright, or any of that. 
an unassuming child, lowly. Whoever receives one of these receives me. And this is why. This is why I'm always talking about the children. Because there's a lot of such broken, hurt, unassuming children in this world. But who shows shall offend one of these little ones which believes in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So a person that goes and attacks one of those children who believes in Jesus, who causes them to stumble, I can tell you right now, and probably many people on this call know this to be true from personal experience. Christians are the best at attacking children. Nobody can attack a child like a Christian can. We hurt them. We give them memories that last for decades. We point out all their flaws and don't look at our own. We call them names until they believe that those names are what they really are. It shouldn't be that way. The absolute opposite should be true. And the fact that we do it tells you just how lost we are and how far away from the truth we have become. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe unto the person by whom the offenses come. He says, in nature of things, there must be pitfalls. There's going to be things that hurt other people that make them stumble. Yet, woe to the person who causes the stumbling. This is a continuation of the verse we just read about the children. That Jesus is saying there's going to be people, there's going to be stumbling blocks in this world. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be anguish. But woe, woe, woe to the one who is the source of it. Woe to the one that causes it. Therefore, I have a question. Yeah. Um, when Jesus is talking about um, whoever causes one of these to stumble, um, when we reach a point where we are like a child in Christ, is Jesus also referring to us or just children? Will he will he also have that same level of vengeance if someone tries to take us away like that? 
or will it be of our own you know fault because we allowed the devil to get a grasp on us what does holy spirit answer that for you um well we had read this before and i had gotten that we are also children and he'll still protect us at that same level it's i just was asking for clarification i i believe and this is supposition okay that all things with god are about the heart all things with god are about the attitude of your heart everything with god every law every every condition every way that god judges and the way that he judges a man is by the condition of his heart and the way that you know the way that a person's heart is and i believe i believe that there are people whose hearts are like a 5 year old And so I would say it would have to do with the condition of the heart because only man counts the years. God is unconcerned with your years. He's not concerned, and the only time that God gets concerned with those years is when man is the one that goes speaking. I believe that time for God is a circle. It is not linear like it is for us. Or it actually isn't linear for us at all. It's the way that we perceive and objectify time. I believe that time is a circle. It comes back on itself. And, and therefore is of no consequence and shouldn't be factored into that, that at all. So... When Jesus is using the child as the example, he isn't saying whoever becomes five years old, then they can get into heaven. What he's he's talking about the character traits of the heart. Right. He he isn't talking about the age of someone. And therefore, if you strictly talk about the character traits of the heart, then it seems to me that that could happen at any time. Okay. The way I was trying to look at it was, you know, we address God as father. So basically we're his children. So I thought, you know, we automatically, when we're following the path, we are also considered the children Yes. and no one should make us stumble. He calls a child to him and he says, he, he says they humble themselves as this little child. So you would also have to become a little child. In the heart. (laughs) yes in the the heart heart. yes yes wherefore if thy hand or thy foot offend thee cut them off and cast them from thee it's better for you to enter into life half maimed halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and cast into the everlasting fire so here we are with the everlasting fire and these that are entering in to be judged, be, to be casting into fire, are those who are entering into heaven. Okay? There's these that are entering into heaven. And he says, it's better that you enter into heaven minus some part of yourself than to come in with all of yourself and end up cast into the fire. If there's some part of you that makes you stumble, cut it off. Now, 
I think that this is an important verse for our for us to discuss, to mull over, to to meditate on. We don't have time to meditate on this together, but here's what we do have time to dig into this a little bit. If it causes you to stumble, cut it off. If drinking causes you to stumble, cut it off. If certain types of food cause you to stumble, cut it off. If you have a certain type of food that you know is not good for you and yet you continue to go back to it, cut it off. If you have an addiction in your life that you know has control of you and you do not have control of it, cut it off. If you have a relationship in your life that you know is unhealthy and evil, cut it off. Cut it off. If we have a character trait that builds up in us that we know is damaging, that we're doing things to others that we shouldn't be doing, we're acting in a way that we shouldn't act, or we're setting an example that we shouldn't set, cut it off. Cut it off of you. This is this is the problem that we have. This is the problem that we have is that we continue to hold on to these things and think that we're going to find our way to Jesus. That we're going to seek his face and get closer. But we are not. We're not. If we keep on holding on to the things that we know are knocking us down. Somebody snoring. <laughs> I think uh, grandpa had his headphones in and we can hear oh. him breathing. Okay. All right. Guys, Ruth. Oh, sorry. It's Ruth. Yeah, she's lame and she's snoring. Right next to the phone. No, actually about 10 feet away. Goodness gracious. <laughs> the dog on a diet. And, and if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. Right? So how is your eye going to offend you? That means your eye is a wandering eye. Your eye is an eye that's looking at things that it shouldn't be looking at. If your eye keeps looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at, look it out. Now listen, we know, we know, what is, is Ruth eating chips now or? That's not us. Someone else. <laughs> <laughs> We're quiet here now. Someone okay. Else. All right. <laughs> All right. A little levity. We needed a little levity. It was getting it was getting pretty heavy, but this is very heavy. All right. Listen, guys, your eye doesn't have a mind of its own. Okay. We have to look at the point that Jesus is making here when he says this. The point that he's making is he's not saying 
if your eye is really wicked, like independent of you, you have an eyeball that has a personality and it's just running around doing its own thing. What he's saying is, if you're un- unable, unable to bring that part of yourself into submission, if you're unable to control your eye from its wickedness, if you're unable to do that, well, better to pluck your eye out than to continue to live in continual sin and allow that eye to keep doing what it's doing. We all know if we allow our eye to look at things that it shouldn't be looking at or to look at people in a way that it shouldn't look. Because look, when we talk about this, we're all thinking about a lusting eye, right? And there is a lusting eye and a wicked and a, and a lusting eye can be wicked and a lusting eye can, can cause you uh, to fall out of grace. Absolutely to fall out of grace. But there is also there is also the, the haughty eye that God hates. That's the rebellious eye, the one that refused to be in submission to anyone else. That's that's one of the seven things that God hates, right? And then there's another eye. There's the eye that covets the things that looks at the things that other people has and wants them. And well, wait a second, we're not done. There's an eye that looks down on people. And we're not done. There's an eye that judges people. It has a big, huge plank in it. But it judges everyone. There are many ways that our eyes can cause us to fall out of grace. That's why God's word says, God's word, Jesus. Jesus says that our eyes are the window to our souls. Through our eyes comes all the things of life to affect our souls. We have to control our eyes. We have to control the way that our eyes look. We have to control where our eyes look and how our eyes look. We have to be constantly vigilant, wary, sober, looking for that prowling lion around the firelight. He's coming after us. And you know what? He doesn't have to jump you and rip you to pieces if all he has to do is slip something into the firelight that you shouldn't be looking at. And you look. And everyone that's listening to this knows where this is true about ourselves. Satan will get you if you do not have your eyes in control. He will get you. He will sneak it up on you. It is amazing the places that, that, that things we shouldn't see can be found. You don't have to go to a porn site to see porn. 
you don't have to go looking at scantily dressed uh, uh, women to see a scantily dressed woman. You don't have to be looking online for the things that you like in order to covet things with your eye. You don't. Satan will put every one of these things in front of you in some way, shape, and form. He will. These things will come. They will find their way into your hands. And they will find their way into your eyes. You must train yourself to reject these things and to turn these things away. When something comes on the TV in a movie that you shouldn't be watching, you don't stay and sit and keep watching it. You cut it off. You shut it off. You turn away. When something comes up on the Internet in in an ad on the side that you shouldn't be looking at, Avert your gaze. You might be scrolling through ads in Craigslist, and there are things in there that are that should not be there in the public view, and they are. And you must let your eyes wipe them out and scan away from them. You have to control yourself. Because your temptation is... To look closer. Your temptation is. Let me just click and make sure that's what I think I'm seeing. When we go in for the confirmation. 100% you already knew what it was. What you're doing is. You're feasting your eyes. You're turning a non-sin into a sin. And those things will consume you. They will control you. They will change you. They will twist you up inside and turn you into a person that you never thought you could be. And you will never see it coming because it is so subtle and it is a mastery of deception. All these years, God has taught me piece by piece by piece to cut these things out of my life. Cut them out of my life. My family knows, certainly my wife knows how many things I've come in and said, God said, cut that out. And I cut it out. I cut it out of my life. Sometimes God has to speak to me in a most blunt way to get my attention but once I know it's God that's telling me and I realize what I'm doing I cut it out of my life I've cut many well we don't need to go down the list everybody is different everybody is different something that might be a stumbling block for me might not necessarily be a stumbling block for you But you know, each of you know the things that have hold of you. The things that you cannot get out of your life without cutting them off. There are things in our lives, 
each of us, there are things that we cannot do in moderation. You cannot do them in moderation. And the only way for you to address them is to cut them off. As long as you keep trying to say, well, I've got control of this. I can do this in moderate. I can moderate this. I can do it. I'll just do it a little bit here and a little bit there. As long as you keep lying to yourself, you will continue down that road into a dark place. Man cannot have two masters. No person can have two masters. Either you love the one you serve or you hate the one you're with, whichever one it is, okay? You can only have one master. And if your master is Jesus Christ, if you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you know that something has hold of you, you have to cut it off. You have to cut it out of your life. I cannot turn on a TV. I've been in my in I've been in a hotel room by myself for what almost three weeks now. My TV hasn't been turned on. Because I know if I turn on my TV, I'll sit and stare at it for hours. I'll change the channels. My wife knows at home. It's been months since I watched any regular TV. Here or there, I'll watch a movie on Netflix where I can control what it is. But I don't even do that when I'm on the road. I'll get lost in it. I'll binge. I have an addiction. And it'll separate me from God. It will take away from who I should be with God. And so I cut it off. We have to cut off the things that separate us from God. We have to cut off the things that our eyes graduate towards. We have to cut them off. Take heed, verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you be careful that you don't despise a child. That you treat them badly. Or you treat them with contempt. Or you treat them with arrogance. Because the angels that protect them talk to God constantly. And that child's plight will come up before God. Now we look around this world at all these people that have hurt children and we wonder, where's the justice? You will see justice. You will see justice. God keeps a record book. He keeps an account. And the scales will be balanced.
if you doubt that, keep watching around you right now in this country. There's a whole bunch of people that hurt children that are about to pay the price. They're about to pay the price. The scales are getting balanced. The judge is on his throne. Justice is on a white horse and it's coming. It's coming. The bell tolls and it's tolling for them. Do not take glee in your heart for their downfall. Do not take joy in God's punishment on the wicked. But it's okay for us to take pleasure in justice. To see justice done and to know that justice is meted out. That's their prayers. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, I pray, uh, I pray, Lord, that this lesson tonight, that these warnings, that these pieces of clarity, that these pieces of truth, that they rang on hearts like a hammer. I pray that your word beat the stone that was numbing the heart. I pray that the message is received. I pray that the iron sharpened the iron and the sparks flew. I know that your word never returns void and always accomplishes that which it set out to accomplish. I ask that your word be sent out to accomplish purity, holiness, righteousness, a closer walk with you, and a magnification of the kingdom and glorification of our Lord. As we go to sleep tonight, I pray that you would watch over us and let us not be led into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. All right. Good night, guys. Love you.